It's having that courage to back yourself. Hopefully during your early career and your mid-career stage, you're identifying your collaborators. Who are the people you really want to work with? You've been listening to Professor Lena Sanchi, Deputy Head of Department, Director of Teaching and Learning and Co-Lead of the Children and Young People's Research Stream at the Department of General Practice in the University of Melbourne. And she's been talking about navigating the tricky things as a mid-career researcher. You're listening to Cheers with Peers from the Primary Care Collaborative Cancer Clinical Trials Group, PC4, who supports the development of high-quality cancer research in primary care. Welcome to Cheers with Peers. This is a podcast from PC4 that helps mid-career researchers navigate the pathway to becoming a successful senior researcher. I'm Dr Jennifer McIntosh, a mid-career researcher working on cancer in primary care research and implementation science. In today's episode, you will hear me interviewing Professor Lena Sanchi. We will be discussing how to negotiate the steps for mid-career researchers. Can I start by just asking you a bit about your research career and what's led to you specifically to your research interest in young people's health? My career journey was actually very serendipitous, I think, and it was certainly not a career path that I had any intentions or plans to end up in. I began my special skills post as an advanced general practice trainee at the Centre for Adolescent Health at the Royal Children's Hospital. And its mission was to get out there the knowledge and skill and further the research in the area of young people's health for Australia. And I was, as an early career GP, I was quite blown away by this. And I think I was invited to take part in a research project with a paediatrician who was, her role was to discover what general practitioners thought of dealing with young people. What were their perceptions of care for young people? And they said, oh, we really need a GP to be on this. Would you like to take part? And her and I were both junior fellows, her as a paediatric fellow and me as a general practice fellow. So we really bumbled through together and it was a fantastic opportunity to work with fantastic mentors and leaders in research. You know, and my role was to recruit GPs <laughs> to, this, to this effort. And that led to a PhD in designing and evaluating with a randomised trial an intervention for GPs to deal with young people. And that kind of set me off on my way then. Well, it's amazing how often people do say from the research area where you end up with ends up being quite serendipitous. Mm-hmm. And also that thing about finding steady peers that you have who are mm. at your level but really nurture your research career as well, like that paediatrician. Yes, um, absolutely. Yes. And she she was a much more forceful personality in many ways and I learned a lot from that about how to ask for things when you need the help and the mentorship instead of figure, thinking you have to figure it all out yourself. And to me that really emphasised because I did later in my career have a bit of an absence of mentorship and that was a complete lull, I must say. And my experience coming out the other side of that is that you cannot underestimate the role of a career mentor throughout your entire career. And there is actually literature on that that shows that early career researchers are more likely to stay within research and to advance their research careers if they have that mentorship. 
I like your tip number one for the mid-career researcher is to be a bit forceful about asking your mentor for help and finding somebody as well because, again, that isn't something that necessarily happens. So I think the step from mid-career to senior researcher almost gets defined by things like being the principal investigator on a grant. How do you see that a mid-career researcher can take that daunting step? It is about having the courage to back your ideas. If you're emerging in a field and you're across that field and you're quite passionate about it and really have a sense of where you would like to take it or an idea that comes up, it's then identifying the team around you who will help you to test out the idea and to help you bring that into a grant proposal. I think in in the end of the day when I reflect on what turns you into kind of leading an area, it's landing that first large grant, competitive grant, which is doing a study that is where you, you know, you kind of see is the next step. And then you suddenly have a team, a research team to manage, a budget to manage, and then identifying the the next steps that go on from that to being a step ahead of it. So I think it's having that courage to back yourself Hopefully during your early career and your mid-career stage, you're identifying your collaborators. Who are the people you really want to work with, can work with well, who have the skill set that will, you can't do everything on your own. You need to have the right team around you. And how can you pull them together on a vision and an idea and see what they think and then grow that idea together. And then you're leading that whole process. So you then naturally go into the being the lead investigator. Sometimes you're part of bigger teams and that's about then having the conversation with the person who's the overall lead about I want to lead something, I'm interested in this area, can I have a go at leading that? And then doing that same process of bringing the right people around you to help you grow that idea and and really give it all you've got in that application process. Get as much input as you can, much review, then that morphs into the technique of writing the winning grant. But I think gathering those people around you and identifying the team is very important. And I guess in some ways in your new role as head of the department, you're doing exactly that but on a much bigger scale. Yes. Well, that that again is is an interesting thing because you, you want to build capacity in the people who are working within their streams in your department because the better they are, the better we are as a department. But then it's also what structure can we put in place for the whole department that early career and mid-career researchers can grow into that and and contribute to a cross-cutting structure that makes it easier for all the researchers to do well. The other thing was how do you become a senior supervisor, mm. like the principal supervisor for somebody somebody who you think would be a fantastic PhD student. It's a big thing to say to a PhD student, come with me mm. and I will be your principal supervisor when you haven't done it before. Mm. Look, I think that that is a, it's a very important step being able to engage the junior researcher in, in the vision and to be able to support their journey as well. But the first time you do it, you need to do that with other experienced supervisors. And there's actually a university policy around that in most places that the first person you supervise, you co-supervise with an experienced supervisor. But usually that first supervision, you're much closer to them than you will be later in your career. (laughs) So you might meet them weekly and really you're, you're refining a lot of their work before it gets to a bigger supervisor panel or the more senior supervisor. That's 
in some ways not a bad thing because you're learning the steps of helping someone else learn those skills and at the same time you've got the senior supervisor to kind of set the goalposts and make sure that they're high enough and all of those things so you're you're learning that whole process along the way then the second one you get where you can do it on your own of course then that you're facing that on your own to make sure you carve something out that's that's good enough and to mentor that person and I guess that builds into the whole sort of building up your research group as well. The third prong was senior authorship on a paper. Mm. And I always think, so negotiating sometimes being the senior author on a paper can be very tricky or first author even sometimes. Mm. It is important to have a conversation if you're in those large teams, say, well, I'm actually going to do the work on this paper. This is my keen area of interest. I've brought together all this literature. I've revised, you know, I've analysed it all. I understand the background and where it's heading. This, I think, is mine. And have that conversation. You know, the responsibility of the senior author is quite high and it's quite a lot of work. If you've done that work and you're prepared to do that work then, but you've also got the intellectual input in where you want to take that field, I think then that's the important conversation. It's different to say someone who is more junior who's been asked to bring together the literature, but all the thinking and the um, conceptualisation of the paper is done by the senior authors and they are still entitled, I, I believe in that case, to be the first author because you know, without them, that paper wouldn't happen. For your first big grant where you're starting off your research area, you need to be the senior author Mm. on those. Mm. There's no doubt about that because you're cutting your cloth in the field of research. You build up your citations and acknowledgement for your leadership in that area. As you get more and more senior, you can afford to be that last person on the list a bit more often. Mm. And hopefully your your leadership person, if they're an established, is is willing to share the limelight (laughs) with their, the ones they're trying to help their career because there is a bit of that too that you would hope that the senior person in your team is trying to build their team and build their record and and is allowing you to gain more of that leadership opportunity and sometimes I think it's also as a mid-career researcher and probably this is where I made a few mistakes along the way is not recognizing an opportunity where it came up Um, and I think oh I'm so busy I've got so much work to do I don't really think that's something for me possibly the person pitching it to me wasn't very good at pitching and maybe I should have really sat down a bit more and thought yeah I've got to take that opportunity and just try it for a while and see so it's very hard sometimes to navigate through all the busyness and pick the right things to have a go at I think anything new and a bit novel and starting I probably would now say don't say no hang in there and have a go with it it'll emerge whether it's going to be something that can fly or not but um, sometimes you don't recognize the opportunity straight away and you might have to take some things that you're not quite sure about initially find out what's going on in the world and whether that's a good direction to go in and Mm -hmm. and seize the opportunities because you're not quite sure sometimes which one's going to take off for you and also you need the novel idea and novel things it's a brave thing to do novel ideas because there's not much out and about about them and it has to click with you know where you think the field might be going but you know that's where your judgment has to come in and get advice that's where your mentor comes in and other people that you can bounce ideas off so that's 
important too. I find that the busyness thing is something that I struggle with as a mid-career researcher and Mm. how do you cope with Mm. being bogged down with all the administrative stuff? So I think the paradox about becoming a more senior researcher is that you end up doing more administrative Mm. work. Yes, well, people that I've also talked to about that and their advice has been it will fill to expand the space if you let it. So you need to draw boundaries around it and you need to keep aside time for what's important and set aside the time for those other things at times where they're not that critical to you. It's essential for researchers to have that thinking time, long stretches of time where you must write or you've got to devote to grants or whatever. So take a day at home to work a week. See that other people that it may be in more junior in the pecking order, they might learn from an opportunity to take on some of these other administrative roles because some of the roles are good learning opportunities. I mean, you might also question within a program if there's a lot of management need, should there be a person who is a manager for that program? Is there a way to support that role, an academic specialist or somebody who whose role it is to do that. So I think that the mid-career researcher who, who that often falls to initially is to carve out time, particularly if there's a pipeline of junior people, help set them up with an opportunity and an exciting time for them to learn something new. And uh, unless you really look after yourself. No one else will do that. In my role, I've had to also ensure that I keep time where I can devote to my research side of my career because that is a lot of administration, but you are still expected to forge ahead with your research and your publications and all of those things. So I can't let that go altogether. Then you start to then learn how you might delegate things to other people. And in my mind, I had to make the switch well It's an opportunity for someone else, not just me getting rid of a burden. Totally agree. And I think that that's a skill as a manager that everybody needs to learn no matter what level. So, Lena, are there any other tips you have for mid-career researchers? Probably the administration and leadership is a bit of a challenge early on. And the financial administration of what you're doing is a skill I know I had to learn and monitor. So that's, and the supervision of others with, you know, people are very interesting and complex and having an understanding of how to manage people, have setting clear expectations early and helping people get to those and checking in often, but understanding how to have difficult conversations, people management stuff is really important to learn. So if there's opportunities to do leadership courses or courses on you know, managing staff and people. I think that's an advantage as well. Choosing the right people is a real, uh, that's a skill. It helps to select your panel if you are interviewing. Mm. Someone interviews very well and you think you can get along with them well. And then that was just an art, artful interviewee. (laughs) So you, you do have to be able to check in often and be very alert to that. And if it's not working cut it off quickly because for everyone's benefit Mm. but they're not easy things to do they're big uh, HR skills to learn but very valuable things to learn. The um, final question I have is do you have a favourite podcast you listen to? Um, Not I love the ABC Radio National conversation hour that I can't always get to listen to and to philosophise this it's actually very congruent with research because basics of philosophy early Greek philosophy and even since then 
is really about inquiry and trying to make sense of the world. And the philosophers really were the beginning with the building blocks of science. It really has given me much more in my later career a concept of what research really is and building this understanding and advancing knowledge and, uh, you know, being able to test ideas and debate them and having different theories. And that's really, as researchers, what we're doing all the time. Yes, and I think that's a lovely note to end on because I think we do need to keep our inquiring mind and our curiosity active. I'm going to listen to that. That sounds very good. Mm. Thank you so much for coming in, Lena. It's Cheers with Peers. So cheers to you, Lena. That was Professor Lena Sanchi. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Cheers with Peers, produced by PC4. Do let us know what you think about this episode by emailing info at pc4tg.com.au or keep in touch via Twitter where you'll find us at pc4tg. Don't forget to visit PC4's website, pc4tg.com.au.